Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. From Matthew 9, 35-38, I will be reading from the New International Version of the Scriptures. It reads, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want to lift this thought today, moving from the huddle to the harvest. When Jesus shared these words with the disciples in our text, The Jewish religion had become one massive huddle. The temple was crowded with worshipers on the Sabbath. There was a synagogue in every hamlet, every town, every village. 6,000 Pharisees and Sadducees served in positions of ecclesiastical authority. And 20,000 Levitical priests ministered daily in the temple. But someone had forgot to call break and execute the play that would advance the kingdom of God. The religious hierarchy was guilty of delay of gain because the Lord looked around at the people who had crowded into his perimeter and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. So here in the sublime surroundings of Galilee, shortly after delivering the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of God had not only come in word, but also in power, Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion on them. In this robust Religious environment, he saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. And he announces that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Why was it necessary for him to challenge the religious establishment? It was because they had failed to move from the huddle to the harvest. Is this so much unlike the present-day condition of our churches? Too many of our churches have what I call huddle disease. 
In most of our cities and our communities, there is a church on every street corner. Yet the moral, spiritual, social, and economic conditions in our communities and the large number of unsaved people does not correlate with this external physical presence. We have become masters of the huddle. We huddle in a certain seat or section and are upset if someone take our place or if an usher directs us to another location. We huddle with certain people who share our likes and dislikes and distance ourselves from other people. Some of us are so satisfied with the huddle as it is and are skeptical about new players who don't look like us joining the team and helping us to advance the goal. Some are so dissatisfied with the play calling by the coaches and the quarterback and have determined in their heart that they will never leave the huddle until they have things their way. But this text, while initially directed to the disciples, is a sobering reminder to the people of God in every place that it is far past time for us to move from the huddle to the harvest. There are three principles in this text that we must follow in order to move from the huddle to the harvest. The first principle is we must model the master. The first thing we must do in order to make this move from huddle to harvest is that we must be intentional about modeling or mimicking the master. There are some things in this text that are fundamental, that are basic as it relates to the ministry of Jesus. Three things in particular I want us to understand. When you look at this passage and its corollaries, it reminds us that Jesus' ministry is characterized by three principles. It was mobile, it was meaningful, and it was moving. First of all, it was mobile. If you read verse 35 of the text again, it says Jesus went through. The King James Version said he went about all the cities and the villages. Jesus was constantly on the move. Moving through Galilee, moving through Judea, moving wherever the needs required him to move. I love John 4 where he was so motivated to move that the Bible says when in his omniscient mind he knew there was a woman in Samaria who needed his personal attention. The Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. Jesus' ministry was on the move. 
If we are to move from huddle to harvest, we must be on the move. The huddle does not exist for the huddle's sake. It's the purpose of which and the context from which the play is called. And then we move out on the playing field. Jesus moved from one location to another. But it was also meaningful. The Bible says that as he moved about, three things characterized the agenda. There was teaching, there was preaching, and there was healing. I don't think the order of these activities are arbitrary. Teaching, the presentation of the truth. Preaching, the proclamation of the truth. And healing, the practical application of the truth. Teaching first because when you get to preaching, all teaching is not preaching. But all good preaching is teaching. Good preaching is not just raising the decibels of your voice. But good preaching instructs and edifies. Wherever Jesus went, his ministry was characterized by teaching, preaching, and healing. It was meaningful ministry. Because when you have meaningful ministry, it's therapeutic. The word healing in the text is the word from which we get in our English the word therapy. Our ancestors understood the therapeutic impact of ministry. And so they would sing sometime, I went to the valley and I didn't go to stay, but my soul got happy and I stayed all day. They said, I looked at my hands and my hands looked new. I looked at my feet and my feet did too. Locked in prison, John the Baptist had concerns about the authenticity of Jesus' ministry. And he asked the question, he says, are you the one? Or should we look for another? Jesus sent back a word to John in prison to tell him that the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf people hear, dead people are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached. When I share with some of our third world partners, our partners in South Africa, I asked them, what is one of the biggest differences between the church in America and what we see happening in Africa and Asia and South America? One of the biggest differences is the presence of the supernatural. It's almost as if we rationalize out of our mind that God can still heal a body. That miracles still take place. That he can take something and multiply it. It's almost as if we become so mental, so intellectual, so comfortable that we don't understand God when we preach his word. 
when we teach his word, when we call on him, there's nothing too hard for God. No cancer is too hard for God. No economic crisis is too hard for God. No marriage situation is too difficult for God. Teaching, preaching, healing, this ought to be the grid where every church measures its ministry. I'm afraid our churches have gotten involved in some things that don't come under these categories to please the crowd, to make folk feel more comfortable. But we must stand on his word and believe in the power of his Holy Spirit to change lives, to make a difference. It was mobile. It was meaningful. It was moving because when he looked at the people, the Bible said he had compassion on them. He was burdened because with all the robustness of religion, with the rites that was being practiced every day, with all the enlightened teachers, his people have been driven to despair. The Bible says like a good shepherd, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. When Matthew says he was moved with compassion, he uses the strongest word in the Greek language to express the inner reaching in Jesus as he looked at the despair and the desperation of the people. I pray to God that we'll be able to see people more like God sees them. Not as they are, but as they can be. I pray that as we move from the huddle to the harvest, God would take the Venetian blinds away and that we would see in the face of every child, every man and every woman, a being who is potentially so magnificent and so wonderfully beautiful that if we could see them as God does, as the angels, we would gasp in wonder. We fail to move from the huddle to the harvest because our vision is narrow. Our perspective is limited. Our perspectives must be adjusted. We got to see the giants in our lives so big that we can't miss. And so when we look into the murky waters of teenage rebellion, we must see the ripples of frustrated hope and a disappointing search to be accepted and loved. When others look at violence and crime in our communities and believe the only answer is more law enforcement, we must recognize it as a disfigured offspring of dysfunction, loneliness, unhappiness, unemployment, and hopelessness. When others see prostitutes, drug users, drug pushers, juvenile delinquents, we must see harvest. When others see unwed mothers, deadbeat fathers, 
children born out of wedlock and see them only as an unfair drain on the welfare system. We must see them as harvest. When others see 11 o'clock on Sunday morning as the most segregated hour in American church life, we must see it as an opportunity to remove barriers and build bridges that will provide anyone who come here an opportunity to have a glimpse of what heaven will look like one day. To move from huddle to harvest, we must first of all model or mimic the master. But secondly, we must mobilize the mission. Jesus looked at this harvest. He said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In context, when we get to chapter 10, which is right on the heels of this passage, what Jesus does is call 12 alongside of him, signaling that even the Christ, even the Messiah, would not attempt to do ministry all by himself. He could have, but he empowered others. Later, in the Lucan account of this, 70 were sent out with power over demons, sickness, and all kinds of disease. And so we must mobilize for ministry if we're going to move from huddle to harvest. Tragically, it was true in Jesus' day, and it's still true today, that too few people do the majority of the work. You ask me why this is the case, I could tell you a number of things, and I could develop it in the passage. But I tell you, there's lack of perspective. There's lack of priority. There's lack of purpose. There's lack of preparation. Can I ask you some questions? And when I ask you these questions, I don't want you to say amen, say no empty seats. Are you ready to go? Can I ask some questions? Do you believe that this gospel will make a difference in a person's life? Do you believe that God has called you to make a difference in somebody's life? Do you believe that if God has blessed you, then he wants you to be a blessing to somebody else? Do you believe if you invite someone to this church that they will be blessed by what's going on in this church? I wouldn't be a part of a church I could not support. I wouldn't be a part of a church that I wouldn't invite somebody else because we flourish where we're planted. What I'm telling you, don't go out here and ask folk who already have a church to come. Don't do that. Don't just ask someone to come and visit and then leave. You need to find folk on the job in your neighborhood who don't know Jesus and began praying for them, began asking God to open up opportunities for you, to invite them to come to your church and hear the gospel. And let me tell you this, I don't want you to think this is a self-centered appeal because if you witness the gospel and they respond and they don't come here and feel an empty seat, they will feel an empty seat somewhere else 
And when we get to heaven, all of God's children will be blessed. The last thing we have to do to move from the huddle to the harvest is that we must marshal the might. Not just model the master. Not just mobilize the ministry. But we must marshal the might. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Now that might present a crisis for us. But there's nothing too hard for God. He said, now, don't put in a classified. He said, don't unionize. He said, what I want you to do is pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest. We'll send forth laborers unto the harvest. And who knows, as you pray, boldness and courage may well up in your life. And you'll be more intentional about sharing this gospel with somebody else. We have to move from the huddle to the harvest. And you know why we do? Is because as I close today, I'm so glad Jesus chose to move from the huddle to the harvest. He could have huddled in the sacred sainted precincts of his Trinitarian essence. But the Bible says there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he came down through 42 generations. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't you glad today he did not huddle? He came down and walked these mundane shores. And one Friday, he took a cross on his shoulder. He would not huddle. They said, now you saved others. Why don't you save yourself? Why don't you come down from the cross? But I'm so glad he did not huddle. He died on an old rugged cross. So I don't have to live any kind of way. He died on an old rugged cross so I could grow up and be like him. He died so I could tell somebody that there is a God that sits high. And because he did not huddle, he paid the price for our sins. And they put him in a borrowed tomb. But I'm glad to report that first Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. And if all you and I have to do is just tell somebody, that's not a big price to pay because he's already paid the big price. Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. I'm not a huddling pastor. I can't slow down because there's too much to do. I don't want us to get checked for delay of game. And if you make up in your mind that you're going to make a difference and quit worrying about what somebody else does, look at that empty space next to you and say there's somebody who needs to know that Jesus can work it out. Is there anybody here 
The Lord's been good too. Uh, I'm so glad uh, I can tell somebody uh, if you need a doctor, he's a doctor in a sick room. Uh, I'm so glad uh, I can tell somebody if you need a lawyer, he's a lawyer in a courtroom. Uh, I'm so glad uh, I can tell somebody uh, he'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Uh, I can't huddle uh, on Sunday morning uh, because I got to clap my hands and, and say break uh, and then run to the line. Uh, do I have a witness? Uh, Jesus called to play. Uh, uh, he called to play. Uh, and this is what he said. Uh, Come unto me, uh, all the labor uh, and a heavy laden, uh, and I'll give you some rest. Uh, anybody here uh, need some rest? Uh, anybody here uh, need some hope? Uh, I declare I want you to break huddle uh, and go out this week uh, and tell somebody, uh, just make up in your mind uh, that you're not just going to worship uh, on Sunday morning, uh, that you're going to tell somebody uh, that Jesus is real. Uh, and if you can't tell them anything else, uh, tell them what he done for you. Uh, is there anybody here the Lord's been good to? Uh, is there anybody here the Lord's made a way for? Is he able? Uh, is he able? Uh, You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.